Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had earlier visited Jesus at night. That's why you got your finger in chapter 3. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. That's a lot, by the way. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped, wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Matthew's Gospel tells us it belonged to Joseph of Arimathea, by the way. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was near, nearby, they laid Jesus there. Um, who'd like five pounds? Some hands that came up. Um, uh, someone can have five pounds. Genuinely, I'm just going to give you a fiver tonight, someone. Um, but there is one condition that comes with it. No, people are not so keen now. Um, people are like, what the condition? What's, gonna, what's he going to do? There's this principle in the Bible, and we um, catch a glimpse of it here in this passage that we're going to talk about um, tonight. In our series, tonight's talk is called What You Give, You Gain. What you give, you gain. And there's this principle in the world that if I were to, um, I'm going down to, on a holiday to North Devon um, this week, and I'm already thinking about the cream teas I'm going to buy. Like there's a tea cottage there um, in Lee Abbey, which I think is probably the best tea cottage in the whole world, arguably. It is stunning. And they do brilliant cream teas there. And I'm already thinking, I'm going to buy a couple of cream teas. But there's this principle in the kingdom and in the world, where in the world out there, if you were to, if I were going to Starbucks and I was to say, can I buy a coffee? I'd give my 260 or whatever it is and I'd get my cup of coffee. Um, they'd get my 260. I'd have lost my 260. I'd get my coffee. That's the exchange. We do it all the time in anything we what you What you buy, there's a sense in what you buy, you lose. You, you give it away and it's gone and the other person gets it. You might get a coffee in return or whatever, but what you buy, you lose. And it's gone, you drink it, it's done. What you buy, you lose. So um, you buy a house, eventually you're no longer going to live in that house. You buy a car, eventually that car is going to die or, or you are and you're going to lose it. What you buy, you lose. Um, but there's this principle in the kingdom of God that what you give, you gain. What you buy, you lose, but what you give, you gain. So I'm going to give you a fiver, but this week, sometime this week, you have to use it creatively to give to someone else. So, for example, um, you could buy someone random, or maybe a neighbor, a cup of coffee. You shout them a coffee, and you go and have coffee with them, you have a conversation with them, or whatever it is, and you give it. Um, who wants a fiver? People still want a fiver. Dale, I'm going to give you a fiver. Um, and uh, we, might, we might ask you next week how it went, your little experiment of giving. Um, <laughs> um, what you give, you gain. What you buy, you lose. But what you give, you gain. And um, that's part of what's explored in tonight's passage. What you buy, you lose. But what you give, you gain. And... Um, uh, Joseph and Nicodemus demonstrate that they've got this to us. But how they've got it is an interesting one. It's, um, and it's linked to the John chapter 3 where you put your finger in, um, in, the, in the Bible passage. Now, there's this story. I'm going to tell you one other story, which um, I don't know how you're feeling tonight. Um, some of us, um, Stephen said he's feeling tired. Um, I don't know if some of us feel um, uh, distant from God. 
Um, or whether you feel very close to God at the moment, whether it feels like it's been a long time since you felt the closeness of God to you, um, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Next week we have Pentecost where we celebrate the power of the Spirit coming and filling his church. Uh, I don't know where you feel, how close you feel to that um, or how far. By the time um, we get to this passage here, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus feel so close to the reality of what Jesus has done for them that they're willing to give everything. They're willing to give away financially, unbelievably generously. They're willing to give away of their pride, their status in society. They're willing to give up their position of um, influence of authority in the Sanhedrin, in the Jewish ruling council, because they're so close to the reality of what Jesus has done for them that they just, just give it away. Um, they don't care anymore. And... Um, I wonder how close you feel to it. I heard this story, a true story. Uh, forgive me for not knowing every finer detail of it. I sent someone a message to say, can you remind me, where, where can I find the detail of this? Because he was the one that shared it, well, I heard him share it. I haven't heard back yet. But I can remember the gist of the story. Uh, World War II, uh, it was a bomber returning back to the UK. And, um, but it had been hit really badly. And they realized, they got to the point, that they, I don't think they could navigate properly. They realized they were coming down. There was nothing they could do about it. They were coming down. And they calculated where they were and where they thought they were going to come down, see if they could make a safe landing. They were heading straight for this village. And they knew that if it carried on as it were, they were going to hit that village and likely cause huge um, fatalities, huge carnage. Uh, but they knew that's where they were coming. The closer they got, they saw the lights ahead. They knew that's where they were going, and they were going to hit this village. And so the pilot and the crew made an extraordinary decision. They chose to nosedive and take the plane down and sacrifice themselves so they wouldn't hit the village. They made that choice. Now, it hit the press nationwide, what they did. They were known all over the country um, for what they'd done. They were famous. To the people in the um, surrounding area, the district where it happened, they weren't just known, they were heroes. To the people in the village, they weren't just known. They weren't just heroes. They were saviors. Do you see the difference? The closer you get to the reality of what Jesus has done for you, the more you're like, okay, Jesus isn't just someone I know about, good guy. He isn't just a bit of a hero. He's my savior. Nicodemus and Joseph get to that point just before tonight's reading it, and it changes their lives. It changes how they want to live every day. It means that they don't care about all this other stuff. They want to give. They want to give and they want to give because they can see what Jesus has given to them. Is, this is the phrase that came to mind as I was preparing for today. You can't outgive Jesus. Can you say that with me? You can't outgive Jesus. Say it again. You can't outgive Jesus. No matter what you do, no matter how much you give, of your time, of your money, your whole life, you can't outgive Jesus and what he's done for you. So, let's go back to the weird little story um, in John chapter 3. If you've got your finger in there, go back to John chapter 3. And um, we're just going to glance at it. Um, I'll give you, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, turn actually to page, um, is it 1066? 1066. Oh. What happened in 1066? There we go. Someone's been revising for their history exams. Um, uh, 
John chapter 3. Uh, but what's happening here is this guy Nicodemus, he's on the Sanhedrin, he's on the Jewish ruling council, he's this big cheese. They don't particularly, by the way, these religious leaders, they don't particularly like Jesus. But Nicodemus can see that there's something about Jesus. He knows that there's something true. So he goes to him in the dead of night because he wants to speak to this guy Jesus because he's doing all this amazing stuff and he can see that he's a man of God. But he wants to go in the middle of the night so nobody else will know that he's gone because he would lose his status and his reputation and all that authority and stuff that he has because he's part of the Sanhedrin. So he goes in the middle of the night and he has this conversation with Jesus and Jesus is like really abrupt and he says some crazy stuff. So he's like, tell me more about yourself or whatever. And Jesus is like, you need to be born again. And he's like, you can imagine the awkwardness. He's a bit like, I can't be born again. I can't go into my mum's womb again and be born again. No, I can't. What do you mean? You've got to be, no, you've got to be born again. The spirit of water, you've got to be born again. He's like, what is going on? His head's reeling. He's like, what do you mean? You've got to be born again. And then Jesus says this. He reminds him of this story that he'll know well from the Old Testament. Um, and um, have a glance at from verse 14, so page 1066. Um, Jesus says this to him. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Nicodemus' head reeling. That everybody who believes in him may have eternal life. Then this really famous verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verse 14, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Anybody know what he's referring to, the the story there about the snake being lifted up? Yeah, Tom? Brilliant. Round of applause for Tom. Um, So, uh, the Israelites had stepped away from God. Um, There was a plague of snakes. All these snakes suddenly came into the camp, biting people, killing them. God, in his mercy, says to Moses, look, make a snake, put it on top of a stick. If people turn from, metaphorically kind of turn from having turned away from me and look to this symbol of my saving them, if they look to this snake, then they'll be saved. They won't die. They'll be bitten by the snake, but they look to this and they'll be saved. So it's that story. So Nicodemus knows that. He's like a teacher of the law, like Pharisee. He knows it really, really well. Um, But he doesn't get, I think he does get this bit, so the Son of Man must be lifted up in the same way. So he must be lifted up. That everyone who believes, who looks on him, may have eternal life. And then he says, for God so loved the world that he gave whoever not perish eternal life. Verse we all know. So that, Nicodemus has this weird encounter with Jesus in the middle of the night. He has all this stuff, and he's a bit like, he must have left just going, that was surreal. Like, the, there was something about, that was a bit weird. What was he saying as he walks down the street? And like, well, what on earth was that about? Hope nobody saw me. Um, and he goes um, back home. And then uh, we don't really hear much more about Nicodemus until chapter 19. And suddenly, from someone who went in the middle of the night, not wanting anyone to know that he was interested in this guy, Jesus... Now, despite the Sanhedrin, the council that he was part of, having like 24 hours earlier, less than that, in the middle of the night, then a sham trial that sent Jesus to Pilate and eventually to the cross, he is saying, I don't care about that anymore. I want to anoint his body for burial, that he gets a burial like a king. 
Joseph of Arimathea, who also is part of that, Jesus, that ruling council, says, I don't care if anybody knows. I don't care if Pilate knows. I don't care. These guys, they're going to lose their status completely. They're going to lose their place on that council. They're going to lose their place of respect in that community. They say, I don't care. We've got to give this guy, this king, the burial that he deserves. Lavish all of this money on spices. Give up the tomb that we find out in Matthew's gospel actually was the tomb for Joseph Arimathea. It was his, going to be his family tomb. Here we just say that it was a new tomb. Nobody had lain in it. And, and, they, um, and he gives up that for Jesus, to honor Jesus, that he would have a place and, um, to be buried. And why? Well, because just before this, the Son of Man is lifted up. And I can't help but think that Nicodemus, maybe Joseph Amthea, maybe he told Joseph about this story. I can't help but think that, that Nicodemus saw this and he suddenly thought, oh, the snake lifted up. Look to the snake, you'll be saved. Oh, the Son of Man will be lifted up. Whoever believes in him might have eternal life. And he sees Jesus lifted up on the cross. And suddenly, it's not something he's heard about. It's not a conversation he remembers. He's in the village. I've been saved. He's just saved me by dying. I've been bitten. I'm going to die. I'm sinful. I'm condemned to death. He's just died for me that I might have eternal life. Oh, that's what he was talking about. For God so loved me that he sent his one and only son. Whoever looks on him, believes in him, would not perish but have eternal life. And suddenly he's in the village. Whoa. I don't care anymore like what other people think. I don't care what the Sanhedrin think. I don't care what Pilate thinks. I don't care. I'm giving it all. And he spends an unbelievable amount of money on all these spices. He, um, he and Joseph then do what they should never do. So they're making themselves ceremonially unclean by touching a dead body the day before the Sabbath. That's why they're in such a rush to do it. Normally this job, by the way, would have either been done by servants or by women. No disrespect to women, but they disrespected them and it was a woman's job. It was not a man's job. You would not do this. And um, so just for two guys to be doing this, for two guys who were so senior in the Jewish community, who understand Egypt, to be doing this in a rush before the, they just wouldn't do it. They also, as I said earlier, the, the, the way they're doing it, having him just being condemned by all of their mates on the Sanhedrin, they're giving up any influence there. That's game over. They sided with Jesus in this most obvious way. But what's changed for them? What's enabled them not just, what's enabled them to realize that what they give they gain is because they've seen the one that gave it all. And suddenly they've come close and they realize it's for them that he gave it all. The Son of Man has been given for me. Jesus has died for me at the foot of the cross. And they look up and they go, oh, well then, of course. Like imagine if you were in that village (laughs) when you heard about that story and the bomber came down and you realized what happened. Wouldn't you feel a a kind of a depth of gratitude? If you're... um, 
if you were one of the parents or something of one of the kids in Manchester earlier on this week, and it was the homeless man that held them before you got there, you want to say thank you? Suddenly come really close. And uh, when you come really close to one who gave it all for you, other things don't matter as much anymore. So Nicodemus is able to give it all. Joseph Arimathea is able to give it all. And the beautiful things I come into land about what we give to Jesus and to others is we gain so much more than we give. You buy a coffee, there's a sense you've just lost that 260. It's just a small example. It's nothing compared to this. You give a coffee, you have the relationship, you have the conversation, you also have the coffee. But you get so much more. Do you see? When you give, you gain. You buy, you lose. But when you give, you gain. It's this principle that counters mammon, that counters the way the world works. An exchange of value, give, that's it. And that, you see, they've got your two pounds of your... In the kingdom of God, what you give, you gain. You don't buy, you don't. You give, and then you gain. And um, think about what it was with Nicodemus and Joseph Arimathea. I mean, this isn't why they gave. This isn't why we should give. But these guys were losing status. They were losing pride. They were losing, according to Mammon, they were losing all this stuff. They were losing money, wasting ridiculous amount of money on a dead body giving away this hugely valued possession for the family, this tomb. But they give away actually dead stuff. Money is, 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 is dead, if you hadn't realized. They give away dead stuff. They give away a tomb that's a place literally for a dead body. And it becomes the place where Jesus comes back to life. When we give, we gain. And when we give, that's when we, that money really comes to life. That's when stuff really comes to life, when we give to what God's doing. When I started, when I first started um, giving regularly in a, like a planned way, um, this was what was one of the key motivations for me. It was probably the main motivation for me. Other than the, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. I want to give to what you're doing in the lives of others that other people might know what I know and find what I found. Other than that, it was like, the next time, I hear one of those amazing testimonies from the front of how God's healed someone or brought them back to life where resurrection power has come in someone's life where their eyes have been opened, they've found Jesus and their lives have been transformed. The next time that happens, I get to say, I was a stakeholder in that. I gave something that helped make that happen. I tell you what, when you see that, when you hear that testimony, you're like, it wasn't directly, but we as a church, when we give, we enable all of that stuff to happen. And, and I was just like, I played a little part in that. I can't describe the joy it gives you when you think, I played a little part in that. What you give, you gain. 